What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Dark Waters. I'm your host, Josh. Uh, it's Monday. I hope everyone had a great weekend. I uh, hope everyone had fun. Uh, I saw a bunch of tournaments going on. I hope, you know, hope everyone performed well. I uh, hope the weather was safe. Uh, I know some people got some storms. Uh, but, yeah, I hope it was a good weekend. Uh, my weekend uh, was rough. You know, you guys have heard me. I've been bitching about the weather, you know, the cold fronts, the snow in May, and the you know, winter conditions and, you know, the weather was supposed to be this and that. And finally the weather's nice, right? It's, uh, you know, we've been the fifties and sixties water temps are like high forties and fifties. And, uh, you know, my first tournament on Saturday, uh, the first live event, I think here at, uh, New York and dude, I was excited, man. I was like, dude, it's a great lake, big fish. Uh, they should be hungry. Uh, the, the water's, you know, the, the weather's finally correct. The weather temps are good. Get out there. It sucked, dude. I could not find a bite to save my life. I, I did everything I possibly could. I fished the flats. I fished, you know, offshore, whatever I could. I threw everything and did not get a fish. And then to make things worse, I had to leave that tournament about an hour early so I could drive to another uh, tournament, or not another tournament, but another body of water so I could compete in the uh, paddle and fin uh, spring madness bracket, um, you know, second round. And I picked a spot that should have been great. Uh, water temps there were like 60. In fact, they've been, they were already starting to spawn. Um, you know, from what I've been told, I get there four hours, nothing, not a single thing. I didn't catch a fish all day in two tournaments. And what was really weird, as soon as the tournament was over and the sun started going down, we started getting a bite. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, and then Sunday, oh, the bracket, uh, the kayak, uh, bass bracket tour, first round, uh, for the month of May. Um, uh, didn't do horrible. I, I caught four fish. I messed up the, uh, I messed up on one of the, one of the pitchers and got DQ for that fish, which the rules are what the rules, the rules are. And God damn it. I broke, I didn't follow the rules. So, uh, my bad to whoever, whoever judged how to do that. But anyways, uh, once again, I thought the weather was gonna be right. Water tense was good. Um, and pretty much just really, they weren't active. I, I caught, like I said, I caught four, couldn't get a limit. None of my fish were bigger than 15 inches it's just uh it's a shit show all weekend but uh i can't complain man like i got you know i had a good time i mean just tournament fishing's hard it's tough uh there's a reason why there's just a few elite people and the rest of us are just running around like crazy people trying trying to put together a limit so but enough about me i, I hope you guys all had a great weekend make sure you guys tag me in your pictures let me know what happened let me know how you're doing and so forth. Uh, not much else going on up here uh, this weekend. It's pretty, or this, this week is pretty light. Got some fishing going on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, got a few bodies of water I want to go check out for some uh, future tournaments. And then uh, the weekend, I'm probably going to spend time with family, fish a little bit. But that's about it. Uh, if you guys got anything coming up, make sure you let me know. Um, if you guys do me a favor, I always do this, but this is the time where I'm going to you know, tell you about some of the supporters of the show. Uh, Outdoorsman Coffee. I uh, can't tell you enough about these guys. I love their coffee. I, before the tournament, I had a few cups. I, feel, I was feeling good, feeling caffeinated, feeling feel like I was ready for the show. Uh, but, yeah, Outdoorsman Coffee, David Cruz, great guy, veteran and fellow kayak angler. Uh, Darkwater, Capital Dark Capital Darkwaters attend. Get yourself a discount. Get you some coffee. Uh, Edstone Lures, can't say enough about their plastics. Absolutely love their stuff, man. Uh, I love their swimmers, man. Their swim, like those, those, those are my favorites. Uh, but yeah, make sure you check them out. Uh, capital D, capital W15 for a discount. But uh, those are the supporters of the show, so make sure you check them out for me. Um, 
And that uh, big shout out to everyone who competed uh, in the other kayak bass bracket tour. Uh, the, the the final four, uh, you know, came down, you know, to one guy won it. We all know who he wins. He'll be on the show soon. But uh, boy, I tell you what, the uh, the KPM world's on fire right now. He's uh this uh Conrad Conrad Beniti. Oh, he's a very controversial person. I'm looking forward to talking to him. Uh, but congratulations, my friend. Uh, we every weekend since the tournament started, you put together some you know some big inches or a lot of inches. So uh, some good numbers. I don't know. I'm, I'm still getting idiot when I talk right now. But uh, anyways, congrats to you, Conrad. Congrats to everyone who competed in that. Uh, and congrats to everyone who in the next bracket. Uh, yeah, the next bracket has uh, moved forward. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name who beat me. I think it was like Jeremy Mitchell or Jeremy, something like that. Congrats for beating the worst angler in the world. You know, you're, you're awesome. Uh, thanks for uh, you know everything you've done for my self-esteem. Uh, but anyways, I'm being stupid. Let's just jump into this podcast for it. This gets any worse. Uh, my next uh, guest is Chris Hollingsworth from uh, California. Uh, he's a, a promoter, a kayak promoter, a tournament promoter. Does a bunch of stuff up there. Uh, family man. You know, kayaking and all the stuff, and I just did not see this conversation going where it did. I thought we were going to talk about fishing and family, but we went into like some of the what we thought about you know the sport of kayak fishing and the growth of it and what's next for it. And it was the guy had a lot of insight because that's his job is promotion and uh, things like that. So it was, it was a different perspective and look at it. And I really do appreciate it because it kind of like made me think about a lot of things. And you know, it's hard to get me to think about shit. So, but the guy was really cool, man. I really want to have him back on the show in the next few months. Especially once California starts opening up, he runs a bunch of the tournaments out there. And from right here, you know, California's on my bucket list. But from right here, dude, like all his tournaments are great. Uh, or all the tournaments that they're involved in that area are great. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a few California guys on here, and they can't say enough about the tournaments out there. So, really cool guy. I love his family. Awesome family guy. It's fun to hear about his family and his interaction with them, and the, the balance that he's had to figure out over the years. And you know, this is a good episode. Uh, a little different than what I'm normally used to, but I really did enjoy it. So. Chris Hollingsworth, get to know him. Make sure you follow him on Instagram. I'm sure if, if you're following me on Instagram, if you type in Chris Hollingsworth, he'll show up. But got a lot of great t- content out there. So uh, make sure you follow him. But uh, that's about it, guys. I'm, I'm done running my mouth. I'll let you hear this podcast. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Ciao. <laughs> All right, Christopher, welcome to the Dark Waters. How are you? Uh-oh. Was... Yeah, we, we, soon as we get, we, we're, we're, we're breaking up quite a bit as soon as you hit record, I think. All right, it's back on. Welcome to the show. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you now. That's good. All Perfect. Right. I guess I can edit it or not. I don't know. I don't take it that yeah. seriously. But uh, all right, man, well, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, you know, I follow you on Instagram, and you just, you're putting out content every day. I'm like, man, I really want to talk to this guy. You put out a lot of cool pictures. Uh, you're a fisherman. You're, you're a family man. So it's all these things that I would think would make good for a conversation on the podcast. But before we go, get into that, man, do you mind just like introducing yourself real quick, just kind of who you are, what you do, uh, and what, what's going on in your life right now? Yeah, man, it's a long story. Hope you got like a couple hours. So no, uh, we're out here in Northern California. I grew up out here, a skateboarder, snowboarder, punk, married my high school sweetheart. We actually, tomorrow's our 30 year anniversary. So, uh, Six kids, and I've been through a bunch of different careers. Was a golf pro for a while, 
and then owned an event production company the last 15 years. So we produce nonprofit events, do things like Susan G. Komen breast cancer runs, triathlons, paddleboard races. And yeah, we, we grew up fly fishing all the rivers around here in Northern California and then moved back to where I grew up in this place. And it's got a private lake and the fish are up to 10 pounds. And I decided, man, we're going to, we're going to bass fish every day. And that's, that's kind of what's happened in the last five years. It's been crazy. Nice. So skateboarder, punk rocker, then you go to golf and then you go like, well, talk to that transition. Cause I, I was a little punk yeah, rocker too. It's, it, it's I, worse covered, than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm covered in misfit tattoos, social distortion tattoos, you know, like it's, you know, so how, how'd you go from that? Like kind of becoming like the person you are now. Cause golf was not on my agenda when I was into skateboarding and all those kind of things. Yeah. So my dad was always a golfer. My brother was a golfer. He's like, when are you going to grow up playing man sport? So actually I was a plumbing contractor. I owned a plumbing company. And I was I needed a break and I started to play golf and I shot even par after six weeks. I took the player's ability test in the PGA and I became a golf pro. And so I was teaching at a golf course and a guy owned events and he's like, You gotta be my race director, you gotta you gotta sell sponsorships, you're that kind of guy. And so I was teaching him golf, doing his events on the side, and that kind of transitioned me into event work and then this whole fishing thing and sponsorship, and I understood the whole marketing thing and it it's just a mess. So golfer insurance salesman, snowboarder, <laughs> you, you name it. There's been a bunch of jobs out there. Oh, that's crazy, man. So uh, Northern California, what's uh, what's it like right there now? Um, I see you posting pictures of fishing. Are you, are you fishing every day or those from the past? Uh, what, what, you know, what's going on in California? Are you, are you able to fish right now? Uh, yeah, we are. We're, we're a shelter in place. Our state, I don't know, our governor, I don't want to get political on here. But yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, no, no, I'm just teasing. But yeah, we actually can get out. We live in a private community. We have three ponds. There's one okay. lake. Um, to drop some names, it's a private place, but like Skeet Reese, Cody Meyer, all these guys, they sneak in here and they come and fish with us. So the fishing is phenomenal. We just, we've got, there's a, there's a little bass club, a thousand three inch Florida strain bass are going in our lake. We planted trout to feed the bass. I mean, it's, it's hardy. It's, it's really well managed. So super fortunate. But I can walk across the street and fish in a pond and catch a couple pound bass. The main lake, okay. best best out of there is 925. But then all the other places that don't have state-run launches are open still. So I can still go fish the Delta. They just opened up Folsom Lake. There's eight access points they opened. So state parks are starting to ease some things. So we've been able to fish all the way through this. Been very, very fortunate. But, yeah, we're we're so blessed in our local spot here because, like I said, 300 yards, I got three different options to fish. Right. Well, so, uh, I mean, you already told me kind of how you got into fishing, but how'd you end up in a kayak since this is a, uh, a kayak, a kayak podcast. So, you know, where did that transition come from? Yeah. So I was, I was a sponsored snowboarder transition into paddleboard races, all this weird stuff. And so when I was announcing paddleboard races and surf contests, I was fishing off of a racing paddleboard, if you can imagine that. So super narrow, super thin. Then I got into a guy who made an inflatable. It's called the Fish Stalker. So it's a pontoon style stand-up paddleboard. Fished with that for a couple of years and was fishing at a tournament in the Delta, doing really well. 25 mile an hour wind. I had like a 30 pound dumbbell on a rope. I'm fighting against all these guys in these pedal kayaks. And I'm like, what, what is that? That's cheating. And so I met the rep from Native Watercraft at the time. And he's like, hey, I got two demos. You need to sit down and fish. Like stop paddling with the paddle and use your hands to fish. So I went to his house and I picked up his demos and I never gave them back. I brought them home and my wife and I, I'm like, this is incredible. I can, I can move and I can focus on fishing the entire time. And that kind of like, that's the, you know, that was the end of it. I never have gone back. I, I do every once in a while. I actually went paddling the other day. I'm like, this is exhausting. 
So I tell everyone, I, lo- I love to paddle, but when I paddle, I paddle an outrigger, I paddle a stand-up board. When I fish, I'm fishing in a kayak just to keep hands free and, and just right. focus on fishing all the time. So yeah, that's it was a weird thing. It was at a tournament, and it was like, I'm never fishing on a stand-up board in a tournament again, and, and that was it. You know, the pedal drive, I never went from a, just a paddle kayak. I was a whitewater kayaker a long time ago. And uh, yeah, the, the having the ability to pedal is, I don't know, it changed my life. So it's awesome. California is so weird, right? Like, like, the only place I know where like, someone went from skateboarding to golf, to snowboarding, to you know aggressive paddling, and then kayak fishing. Like, what are you going to do the next decade of your life? I, I don't know. It's, it's been a, it's, it's funny when people are like, I just, I like to be called I'm a renaissance man, right? That's, that's what you got to do. But no, I that's it, because fishing is one of those things. You can go fish, and I have grandkids, so I can fish next to my grandson, and I can I can fish, I tell everyone, like as aggressive as I want, and he can sit there and use a worm on a bobber. So it's it's the only thing I found. If I want to go surf big waves, my kids are going to drown. But right. fishing, I can do right next to my wife, my kids, anybody, a first-timer, and I can still be as serious as I want. So it's the, it's it's pretty much the best sport that I've found my whole life. And I believe me, I've tried them on. I rode motocross. I, we've done it all. So we, we're stuck with fishing. Well, that's kind of similar to how I got into it because you know, you know, I did a lot of like aggressive sports like CrossFit, Jiu-Jitsu. I was a, a really shitty amateur MMA guy one time. Didn't make it very far. But you know, I, I tried a bunch of things. And so when my wife got pregnant with my son about two years ago, it was just like, well, I want to do something that we can grow up together and, and do. And, like, and, and, you know, just something we can always come back to. And like, so I was like, why not fishing? Because, like, you know, I can't play golf. That, that was like the one thing that made my dad – but it heads on, and you just won't ever see me on a golf course unless I'm fishing the pond. No, no, you're gonna. I live on the 18th hole. You're gonna come golf. Play Guida, a couple other MMA guys. They they fish out here all the time, so you can come out. You can hang out with those guys. We'll go play golf. We'll, we'll fix that swing of yours, so no problem. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, you seem like you're a really big family guy. Your family looks huge. I didn't realize, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but I didn't realize, like, because you look young. You look great for your age. And so when you oh, show me, like, we had a picture of, like, all these kids. I'm like, how is that possible? And then you tell me you've been married for 30 years. I'm like, okay, well, I, you're, you just look really good for your age. And so tell me about your family, man. You're like, you got you got a tribe. We, we have an entire tribe. We've got six kids. So we have five boys, a little girl at the end. Oldest son's going to be 30 this year. So all the way down, the five boys, super active, did every sport you can imagine. My oldest son actually raised sled dogs and was a dog sledder, got way into marketing, ran website businesses. And so he's kind of like my web guru with all my events. And then we have a, a tree cutter son. We, I mean, all the way down, we have one son. He's actually came home from Hawaii. He's in college. Um, another son that's supposed to be on a church mission right now. He just started in our house. He should be in Argentina as soon as they open up. And then two younger ones. We had like a six-year gap. So we had a little boy. And we're like, oh, he needs a buddy, so we'll just have one more child, and, and that was the girl. So now we have this this princess that's at the house, and she's as tough as nails keeping up with her brother. So six kids, two grandkids, they're all over the place, and, and it's awesome. We're all within like an hour's drive of each other. The older ones are still around here, and uh, the two oldest are married. So we're we're just a, a crazy family, and we'll get out. We'll do any activity, so it's super fun. What's the uh, the age range? I know you, you got an older one, you got the uh, the younger daughter. What, what, what's the age difference between all of them? You lose me? Oh, yeah, I lost you for a minute. That's right. Uh, no, what's the uh, the age range uh, from the oldest to the youngest? So thirty, so all the way down to a nine year old little girl. Okay, geez. So we, a- twenty years of having children is what happened in our house. So what's it like, you know, being a guy like this as active as you, who's always had like a hobby or a passion or a sport, like you know, having a kid at such an age, they want to do all these things, but having to work, having to do all these things. Like, how did you find the time to like 
you know, to be the to be the man you're supposed to be, but also enjoy these hobbies that you were, uh, that you, you know, because me, I, I become very obsessed with my hobbies, and my wife has to sit me down sometimes, and be like, "You fished every day last week. I think it's about time you spend time with the family." And I'm like, you know, yes, ma'am. You know, what what has been, what has been your journey, in, you know, as a parenting and going through these years of you know, like trying to balance? Because the thing is, like guys like us, we gotta have a we gotta have hobbies, and we get and we get very passionate about our tunnel visions, but we're also parents, you know, and 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 husbands and whatever else we do as far as career-wise. What has been like your your uh, your balance, like figuring out balance, you know, since, since, since yeah, you had 30 years to figure it out. Right. So I'll tell you, that's kind of where the fishing came to be the, the, the save all. What When I was young, I wanted to be the surfer guy and we'd drive to the coast three hours away and leave the family and we we're gone minimum six hours in the car, wasted time. And then it was like, oh, we're going to kayak and driving the kayak to put it in on the river and then driving back to pick the car up, always gone away from the family. We rock climbed a bunch. So what we really did when we were young, we would take the kids. So we would rock climb in. My wife was super tough. She'd be belaying me and having like baby backpack, nursing a baby. So never stop bringing the kids anywhere. And fishing's turned into that one thing that no matter where we go or what we do, the, the kids can fish with us. So the goal down the road, we're on a waiting list to have a pontoon boat, just to have this opportunity to always fish together, to be together. I, I still go fishing plenty by myself uh, and, and get out there. And I think like you're saying, that's important to have but like the golf course, no disrespect to golf, but you you leave everyone. You can only have a couple yeah. people. My family is too big. We're, we're not a foursome. We're like an eight sub. So it didn't work out. So that's that's the key is to have something I believe that you can do together. And that's what fishing has really done for us, for a family. You know, you can just you can go out early mornings. I'm probably going by myself, you know, right. but then having the kids all different ages, I just got to say, hey, who wants to come? And there's always going to be a hand that goes up. So that, that's been one thing for us that fishing it's really answered that question of what we can do together as a family. Right. On. Well, how are, you, how are you about fishing as far as like a competitive edge? Like, do you compete? Are you a tournament guy, or is it just something you do for leisure that you, or for fun awesome. that you and your family do? Like, are you there? Hold on here. All right. All right. I don't know. It's, 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 it was positive for a second, but uh, the question was, um, you know, like, how do you look at how do you approach fishing? Are you a competitive angler? Do you do tournaments, or is it just for fun and, and leisure? And that's what you do: just catch fish, take pictures with your family, and that's that's what you do. Like, what kind of what kind of angler are you? Oh man, I, I'm probably the most competitive guy you'd ever meet. So that's okay. the scary part of all this. And I would love to be in the competitive arena. And that's been the quest for me: is like, how much do I leave? How far do I travel? Where do I really go? This year, I had some pretty good plans to, to load up. I've got this camper on the back of my truck now, and the idea was to go to some different fishing tournaments and to really put your name out there and, and see what you can do. It, I'm fortunate because I, I, I'm able to connect my business, so I'm actually announcing the Yakka Bass and the KBF events here in California. So I announced an event at Folsom Lake, the season opener, and then this whole shutdown happened. So it was kind of a bummer, but um, I do seriously want to put my name out there and just be able to prove myself because I love that competitive nature. Under pressure, I laugh with people and tease them. It's like fishing puts some pressure on you, but understanding like being a, a golf pro and understanding with snowboarding and going down a half pipe and trying to do backflips and all that, fishing, it's it's a little more peaceful when you're under pressure. But it, it's that funny thing of like catching a huge fish and then managing your breathing and knowing, okay, my cadence is probably a little faster and understanding as an athlete, because fishing truly is an athletic endeavor. I love all that kind of stuff. So fishing with the family, it's obviously what I do every day, taking the photographs, the artistic side, trying to capture the best angles. Those things really intrigue me. I'm really involved in the marketing side, and that's the business end of fishing is, is I want to make this my career. But at the same time, the tournament thing is something where I want to look. I definitely want to do some more tournaments in the future. Well, 
you know, being in California, do you, do you find it tougher, than, I guess, than what we have it out here on the East Coast? Even up the Northeast, I feel like we have it easier than you because all the big tournaments, the ones that really people really, uh, you know, like cut their teeth or make a name for themselves are usually on the East Coast as far as like, you know, Gunnersville and you know, all, 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 all those big lakes down there. Have you thought about trying to make those or have you made those kind of trips and have you really like like pushed the envelope at all as far as uh, you're trying to make a run for it? I haven't yet. That's the one thing is the quest this year was to make a cross country tour in the yeah. truck. And that's something I really want to do. I know the, the West Coast, like I, I think we're a different mentality. We're kind of spoiled out here and having the kayaks, there's like this. They don't want to be sellouts. They want to be like the cool guys and, and the tough dudes. And they just want to meet and they want to fish against their buddies. Yeah. I tease all the time. It's like, who can make a career winning kayak events? I don't think there's enough money to provide for a family. Even if you're like the best kayak angler in the world, you can piece together enough money to live in your truck. And right. that's, a, it's like, what, what is this really called? What are we doing? What kind of justice? So I, I work with Kayak City. It's a local company and they sell a bunch of kayaks. So there there's money in the salesmanship of the sport of kayaking, but there's not a lot of money in the sport of kayaking for the, the professional angler. So it's trying to navigate all those things and, and justify, hey, as a family, we're going to leave. And we're going to travel across the United States. And here, the winning the winning person like, oh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to win a couple thousand dollars. But really, what does winning a couple thousand dollars mean if you're trying to provide for your entire family? So, you, I mean, you understand. It's like having a professional career as an angler, it's still kind of a hobby in the sport of kayak fishing. And it's just a matter of, of making sense of that, of what it means for people, and really doing justice to the sport, growing this thing. Because there's the opportunity – this sport is so accessible. You don't have to have this $50,000 bass boat. you got a kayak and you're out there fishing. So it, it, it'll be fun to see what happens with the sport in the next few years. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little, you know, this year, obviously things, you know, got derailed a little bit, but it seemed like the sport was kind of taken off. But, you know, you ever like worry, like, cause you look at something like Bassmaster, the way they took it in. It's like, do you really want to be like, I mean, if you want this to be a sport of its own, if you want it to grow, uh, do you really want to piggyback off other things? I mean, like, don't you kind of want to like, like break through on your own and build it on your own and you know, yeah, like it could said, be a sideshow of something. Yeah, it just seemed it just seemed kind of weird. Like everybody was excited about walking the stage and like I'm like, yeah, I didn't really grow up fishing like that. Like, uh, you know, I didn't, this is a new this is a new adventure for me, but it just seemed kind of like I don't know. It's just like it just, it isn't, this isn't ours. This isn't what we're creating. This is what, this is someone else taking it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but when I really think about like how to really grow the industry, it's it's like it's got to be. Or not got to be. It doesn't be anything, but it's got to. But you know, you want it to be your own. You want. You don't want to be part of something else and let them just put you to the sideshow. You want to grow it and, be, and make it like a main event or something like that. I'm with you. That's it, it. Happened with paddleboarding and the sport of paddleboard racing is kind of gone. There was no managerial jurisdictional agency who controls kayak bass fishing. And I ask those serious questions all the time, and people almost get offended. It's like Chad Hoover's done an. He's like an amazing job, but that's it's such a, an iconic thing to manage kayak bass fishing. And is that the name of Chad Hoover? If Chad Hoover, when he passes, when he, when we're all old and long in the tooth and we go, what, where does that sport go? And what does it mean? So those are those serious things that we have to ask. Like who, who sets the rules? Who sets the laws? How do we judge? What do we do? Taking photographs, uploading fish. How do we really manage it? Who's cheating? Who's fishing out of their buddy's libel on their bass boat, dropping off fish. It's like all these nightmares that are so easy to try to navigate. What does yeah. it really mean? Who's charging? So that's the one question I always ask. Who's in charge of kayak bass fishing right now? And right. until that's clearly decided by anglers and professionals and industry giants, there it's it's a mess. And that's really yeah. what we're – we need to make sure we don't dilute it so much in these pop-up tournaments and, oh, I'm a series manager. Oh, I'm going to do all these different events. 
that actually does a disservice to the actual the, the organization of kayak bass fishing. Right. So, what do you think about? Because you know, you've already talked a little bit about like you know what's a pro, you know, the whole like pro side or, or people making a living off it. But like, the one thing that I do know about like the big bass world is that none of those guys really make a living off uh, winning tournaments or uh, tournaments in general. Most of them make their living off sponsor and like their personalities and their ability to market and sell themselves. And also they got to be good at anglers to get in that position in the first place. But still at some point, you know, the, the, the business of, you know, fishing isn't really about fishing. Uh, and sometimes I worry about like this sport. It's like, what I like about the sport right now is that all the fans can participate in the sport. Like every, anyone who's a fan of the sport participates in it. We, we you know, we, we go to the events, we compete with the, pro, you know, whatever you want to call them, the, you know, the best in the sport, uh, things like that. And so it's, it's a, it's a scene that I, like I mean people want things to grow things want to get big but from what I've seen like in any other type of thing whether it's uh you know uh fishing or jujitsu or whatever like sometimes staying like, getting big is not always better sometimes getting big uh it isolates the best from the rest and then you know it, it then becomes like a spectator sport when like what made this sport makes this sport great is that we're all fans but we're all competitors or we participate in the sport in one way or another. Yeah, and I'm with you. It's it's that really it's a catch-22. It's do you have people that can make a career off of it and then compete on a higher level? Do you have like PGA for example? You you got to carry a card to participate in the PGA. You got to qualify. Yeah. So what does it mean to be the best kayak angler? And really, is is as a professional or somebody? I mean, I don't even know what I don't know if I'm a, am I a pro? What does it mean to be a professional angler? It's like oh, you're on pro staff, you get free stuff, somebody pays you a little bit of salary. What does that mean in the world? Yeah. So that's that weird thing is like, how do we manage it? And that's backed again to that jurisdictional agency. Do I compete against a person that gets a, just a kayak from Costco? And right. are we head to head? And what does that mean? Are we, and it's one of those things, a lot of times it's, it's kind of put your money where your mouth is. And that's why everyone, everyone freaked out. They're like, oh, entry fees went away for fishing. That's such a good thing. Well, then yeah. who is responsible to pay? If right. you want to pay a higher entry fee, you're normally competing against that price purse that you pay to participate to win a piece of it so right. you get your sponsorships they cover your cost of entry there's all these things so it's just one of those it's a conversation that's it's going to be a long conversation with people to say where do you really want the sport to go what does it mean to be a professional who's managing this and the scary part is what everyone always gets nervous is who's getting rich off of it right. really there, there's no one that's going to get rich off of running the tournament scene there right. are, I mean, there's, there's TV value. There's all these different things, but that's like you said, that's the marketing side. That's not fishing. If somebody can package up kayak fishing and make it look sexy and cool and marketable and sellable, that's their job and they can make money off of that. Right. But us getting together and having a tournament and getting permits and managing the trash, I do events for a living. There's, there's no money in managing a kayak event. <laughs> and, and unfortunately that most of them are ran illegally, like they're coming together and they're putting on an event. And what we have, we've been able to avoid long enough is there haven't been people die when they're kayak fishing a lot yet. Right. And there haven't been lawsuits. So when you get together and you create an event and somebody has a pre-existing heart condition and they go out and they pedal across it, blast off, and their heart collapses and they die, there's lawsuits and there's going to be management. It's like, what, what designated point of extraction did you have? What kind of safety boats did you have? What was going on? And then all of a sudden, all these events right. are gone. Because yeah. Because nobody... What does it mean to put on an event? Who's who's making sure that they're certified to manage an event and manage the safety and inclement yeah. weather and they have disaster plans? So that's a really good point because I you know I, I do jujitsu before the, the the COVID shut down and we we compete in jujitsu and they're just it's just like a marathon like you pay an entry fee you go and you compete 
you get nothing out of it but a medal, and you go home and you, and you can put it on, and you post it on your Instagram that you won or something. But the, this year they cracked down on it because now they're making us get lab works. Now they're making us get this. Now uh, you have to have like if if, if there's gonna be uh, spectators that pay, there's this different insurance and it's all these different things. They can't, it came to the point where they, they were making them um, you know paid insurance fee and or what was it? You know, an insur- like they had to have insurance or they couldn't do the event. And so each 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 competitor, and you're looking at like thousands of competitors or hundreds of competitors at each event, and we all had to be insured or whatever. And these companies couldn't do it because they were only charging you know $100, whatever, a person. And and so it kind of shut down in New York because of those kind of regulations. And you know, I was wondering why you – know, right now, like kayak fishing is kind of like, you know, like in the cracks right now. Like no one really notices it. But if it was to get big, like why wouldn't you be required to have – an ambulance there, uh, insurance, uh, and all the other things that, that all the other sports in the uh, state that are managed by whatever um, committee or whatever, you know, all the requirements that would go into like running something like that. Yeah, so that's there, – there, there's the idea, and this is the one thing you could fix it. If somebody came in and said, okay, I'm going to be United States Association of Kayak Bass Fishing, yeah. and everyone that joins as a member pays a membership fee for the year – that gives them individual liability insurance. If you're putting on an event, you have to monitor each person. Are you a member? Show me your membership card. If not, you get to pay your $15 liability insurance. I think part of that in California, that's why the events don't run as free flow out here because there's been so many lawsuits and we're a messed up state. I mean, that's just yeah. the honest side of it is the different jurisdictional agencies that manage the bodies of water are like, hey, where's your liability insurance? What do you got? What's your trash plan? What's your mandatory recycle plan? And do you have composting cups? So there's all these things. When I do an event, we actually can't even hand out bottles of water in San Francisco. You have right. to have compostable cups. And a lot of the laws are crazy, but a lot of the laws are good. It protects our – there's just too many people out here in California. So yeah. when events get to that point and you start to figure out, okay, what does it mean to put on an event? That's why some of these bigger pre-existing bass or whatever, they've already got the event schedule set up. They've already got permission and the permits. They're just adding this kayak component. So we as kayakers, we need to ask ourselves, is this what we want to be? Do we want to be a part of something that's already proven? Can they do us justice as kayak anglers? I, I've heard different stories like, oh, they didn't even get to walk the stage. What does it mean? Like you bring in a boat with a live well and you show all your fish and the kayak guys are like, yeah, I swear you should have seen the pictures of my fish. Like, <laughs> it's like, so there's that whole thing of like, what's the, what's the parade value? What does it really mean? We've got to sort some of those things out. It's got to be smart people that understand events, that have done events for a long time, but then also understand the marketing because that's where the money is. If they they still have to package it up and sell the event, the the event idea has to be transitioned to the public to get more people excited about fishing. Yeah. And that's I'm kind of different than most people where I'm like, no, let's let's figure out how to use a donkey leash in connection to a measuring board. And so I notched out my measuring board and I made a video. And people are like, oh, you don't need that. I'm like. No, I don't need that because I know how to catch a fish and I catch a lot of fish. But what about the beginner angler? It's all about that transition to getting new people comfortable with participating in a competition. If not, then just forget the competition. Everyone just go fish with their family. But if it's about growing the sport to have a competitive value, maybe the pros don't get to use a leash, but maybe the open class. So that because all these decisions haven't been made and nobody's managing the whole sport, it's like we're all just kind of waiting for it to either – go away or hopefully it grows like it's just like to not manage it i think it's just a true disservice we got to figure out who's in charge of kayak bass fishing yeah that's i mean it's a good question let me actually like to, you know i i, I expect this conversation to go this way but i'm glad it did uh but uh like how big can something like kayak bass fishing like really get because we all know why um 
sports get big, it's because of the spectators, the people who view it. Uh, you know, Bassmasters, it, it's famous. Uh, they get they get all the big sponsors. Uh, just because everyone like, in golf, you know, and all the other big sports like that, like like the only people that watch, um, you know, or that do or that participate or that that are fans of kayak efficient are people who actually do it and so i don't know how many there is but i know there's not as many as there are in other sports so how does a sport like this really expect to uh to grow to like a level like that and like because there's a lot of other sports that try to get big but they're only as big as they are and that's just you know that's just the nature of the game like like uh, sponsors only come when there's uh you know viewers or there's uh you know the people that are interested in what's going on so like, how, how do you see it getting to a point like that yeah, I mean, it's it's just being realistic about it. I don't know if me standing or sitting in my kayak lifting a fish out of the water will ever be as glamorous as a guy boat flipping a three to four pound bass and yeah. having a camera on the back of the boat and having all the glossy photos and whatever. So I, I think we got to pick and choose our battles of like, OK, we're we're doing amazing things in kayaks. And I don't know if we ever even need to think that we're going to be like at a Bassmaster quality or wherever that goes. But as far as the sport goes, we we definitely can go way bigger than we are. And I right. think there's destination value events. I've got a bunch of event ideas like let's get guys on lakes and the host event is done off of a couple houseboats that are put together and everyone pedals over and they check in and and just the I'll tell you what needs to happen is the events need to be fun. People like when I put on a running race, you register for my running race, I give you a race bib, a t-shirt, all these fun things. What do you yeah. get when you register for a kayak bass fishing tournament? Nothing. You get and a the, chance to go catch fish. You get nothing. So I tell everyone, it's like, no, give them like the bait that works at the lake. Like give them a preview of where the fish are at. Like I go pre-fish and if I'm in a tournament, I'm going to tell you where I pre-fish. I'm going to tell you where I caught fish because the guy coming from Oregon to fish in California, he doesn't have a chance to be here. And he's left his family and he's spending all of his money to come out here. It's like, no, dude, this is working. I caught fish on drop shot, Ned rig, whatever. Here they're at 12 to 15 feet. Good luck because you're not – I don't know. Do you play underwater fish music like guys do on their boats? I mean, I'm not I'm not running a bait fish feeder noise. Right. So it's like you understand what boats have over us. We're just out a bunch of people having fun kayak fishing. So yeah. the event should have like we did a little music play. We did the national anthem. We did a blast off. You had some coffee before the event. You came in. There was some food. There should be sandwiches, whatever. If the events are fun, you're going to get so many people that want to come and participate. Spectators are an important piece, but that's I'll tell you, the spectators, that's all about what I like to do is like make fishing look interesting. Try to get right. cool angles, make it look fun, fancy. That's where corporate dollars can come in. But for us to have a good time, I think we really need to look at the events. What does the event offer for a person to come and participate? Because right. if it's more fun to just fish with your buddies and make food, that's the scary part. When you're in an event, can you cook? The health department then gets involved. You got food permits. A guy's checking the, the temperature of your chicken. And so that's why I always say, like, be careful when you put on an event. You, you really need to know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I didn't even think I don't even think about all that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's all interesting stuff because, I mean, like, if you want the sport to grow, there's like – what I think a lot of time we talk to people, and I've talked to a lot of people about it on the show, it's like they don't – you don't think about the consequences of growing uh, and, and where it could lead. Um, you know, right now everyone loves this because the camaraderie is really great and – you know, and whatever, you know, all, all the reasons why people say they love it. And, but when you start growing it, like, it's like a give or take, you're going to lose this, you're going to gain that. Um, and there, and there's just certain things like, okay, if you want to get big, we'll expect the entry fees to get bigger and expect not everyone to be able to do it. Like the, the, the hundred or the 850 people that can go to the uh, national championship. Uh, you know, if it gets big, 800 people can't go you know, to the, the national championship. Yeah. And then once we start getting to like real pros, like 
real pros aren't gonna want to fish with all the like the amateurs and the uh, and, and the things like that because it, it takes away from their their chances of, of, of getting a big bag or a, a big limit and winning. So it's just, I mean, I'm not saying I don't, I mean, personally, I live in this world where I, I don't really care. I enjoy competing. I enjoy fishing, but I have no like ambition of really anything. So I, I but when I look at other people talk about, it, I'm like, I mean, this could bite you, bite you in the ass. If you, you know, like, like just becoming too big or, you know, getting those big sponsors that you want, that they're going to have these uh, crazy requirements. They don't allow anyone else to, uh, to come into the sport, you know, things like that. That I've seen, like, other, other genres of sports. So I'll tell you, can I, ask you, can I ask you a question on your podcast? Absolutely. Do you have to fish for a prize purse of money? Nah. No, I, I fish for a lamp with a champion written on it or something. I don't care. Like, I just – I'm really oh, so into it just because for the adventure and the fun of it. I mean – so that's the difference, what happens in fishing, because I understand in the bass boat world, and this is kind of cool to think about the club level, if you won, you basically got your launching fee and your boat gas paid for. Right. Why are we fishing for money in kayak bass fishing unless you want to be a professional? If right. you're if you're just a guy or a friend or a girl or woman, whatever it is, you're out fishing for fun to prove that you're the best, why are you fishing for a prize purse? Why is, and as soon as you make it about the money, it takes the fun out of it. Let the pros in kayak bass fishing fish for money. There yeah. should be a separation, and that's where everyone gets nervous. Like, oh, no, I want to fish against them. You, you can decide. Do you want to be a professional kayaking or make a living fishing tournaments, or do you just want to fish in some really fun tournaments? So perfect example, again, back to running races, triathlons, all these different things. You're participating for either a finisher's medal, a ribbon, yeah. whatever, a, a, maybe a really cool T-shirt or a dry fit fishing jersey. That would make a big separational change to, oh, I'm fishing in a tournament for cash. Because I think I'm a pro and this is my job and I want to, I don't want to be a plumber anymore because I was a plumber. I want to be a bass fisherman or I'm just fishing with my friends. I'm happy to be an electrician, but this is what I do on the weekends. I'm fishing because I want to be the championship of kayak fishing on an amateur level. So yeah. it, we've got to make a de- decision at some point, right. but everyone's scared to death to make that decision. Yeah, and, it, but, and it, yeah, everybody is also you know, fighting to see who is the best tournament series, but not, neither, none of them have really offered anything you know, g- greater than, you know, besides whatever, uh, you know, money pots at the end of it. Um, I, you know, like I, I've done, I've done uh, KBF events and, you know, it's, it's a show up, you know, fish and leave. There's nothing like, it's not like I'm running a marathon. Like I used to run marathons. Uh, you show up, yeah. there's a big, you know, like go, go register your name. There's, there's, there's vendors, there's all kinds of people. There's, you're interacting with everyone. They got, you know, little shows going or whatever. And then at the end, there's like, there's giveaway bags, there's tents everywhere, and like you could hang out there. And there's hot, you know, whatever. But like it's like in fish, and you pay uh whatever the hundred dollars, and that's it. Like you show up, the award ceremonies are dry. Um, it's just the, the local guy there. He says who wants, and everyone goes about their way. Like there's no there's no beer drinking at the end. There's no uh, you know free food. Like I don't like in a marathon, they give you bananas and you know you know protein ball whatever, and like you know thank you for running our marathon. Here's your medal. Uh. I hope you enjoyed the experience and it, you know. So now you're talking my world. So coming from an event world, and when I think of putting on a bass fishing tournament, it's like, no, I'm gonna have a floating pontoon boat that's like an aid station. So if you're fishing and you're bummed, and I did it at our last event at Folsom, it's like we're gonna make the skunk squad. If everyone gets a raffle ticket for a drawing at the end, if you caught no fish, you get three raffle tickets. You got better chances to go home with something. So if we got this pontoon boat, it's out in the middle of the lake, you tell everyone it's at, it's like you're having a bad day, swing by, we're gonna grill you a hot dog. Like, let's make this fishing experience fun because it is like the marathon for the age groupers, the average runners that want to have fun. Right. 
most professionally ran marathons or whatever, those are athletes that are they're racing for a prize purse. And when you do the awards, I do those award ceremonies all the time for Ironman. It's like you have the pros. These are the people that were racing for money. And then now we have the age group award ceremony. So, again, it just comes back to the proper management. And it's really it's it's not people that put on one or two or three bass fishing tournaments a year. It's people that live for putting on events and they understand the event experience like you. You're a perfect example. Man, these other events are so much fun. I'm happy to pay my 50 bucks. You pay 50 to 100 bucks to fish in a fishing tournament. You're like, you know what? That wasn't that fun. I will share all my friends that got me into tournament kayak fishing. They don't fish in the tournaments anymore. And that's a bummer. That's a, that's the that's a hopefully not the direction we're going, but we don't we don't want a turnover. We need the retention. Yeah. And that's so crazy cuz like you know when I read marathons, I picked it off you know the, the place for the marathon, like like I like I I traveled across the country to go run the uh, the San Diego marathon because I heard I heard it was just an event, like it was a uh, and it was. I went there, there was like it was a rock and roll marathon, so there's like these fake Elvis and you know fake Skid Row guys all over the place, and I just had the time of my life. Great, you know, I was like a 3:30 uh, marathon runner, and I didn't care. I didn't care about being faster or anything. Like, it was just a good time because I was in a different place, with different scenery. It was the experience, it was the adventure. It's the same way I look at fishing, like. What, I just like to fish. I like to go fish in different places. Like, you know, I got to go fish in South Carolina. I've never been down there this year. You know, you go up here, you go fish Lake George. It's a beautiful place to fish. And I'm going to do my best to catch the best limit I can. But I'm not really – like, I know my place in this world. You know what I mean? I know that – just like marathon you know, marathon running, I'm not going to be in the lead pack. I'm not coming in. I'm not battling out for the, the two-hour, you know, two-hour, yeah. three-minute. I'm not battling out for that. It's, they got it. I'm just there for the experience. I, I kind of wish – in some ways, and like I said, I, you know, I love the competitive drive, but, if I, but I, if I was really being honest with myself, if I was just there to win the money, then I'm absolutely wasting my time because like, I, 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 maybe I got a puncher's chance, but when you got guys who are that good, that experienced, have, have been there, have won on that late before, they know it like the back of their head. Like, it's just like it's not going to happen. But, but, man, I can have a good time. I can go camp out in like a beautiful area, fish a great lake, catch – what, depending on the lake I'm at, a different kind of you know, because like, bass, you know, some basses are bigger here or bigger there, and the fishers are so different. And like, that's I wish sometimes we'd focus more on that, like you said, like you know, and then maybe that's where we both like, you know, coming from the marathon world, the triathlon world, or whatever these other things that we've been a part of. Like, you paid for the event, you paid for the experience, you pay for that that medal that you know that they're, they're in my drawer now. But at one time I used to have them hung up all over the place when I was super proud, you know. And that, that that's that, that'd be kind of cool if we would start thinking more. At least, you know, like more about that in this kind of sport because it's a great sport that takes you to great, pla- beautiful places to meet awesome people. You know, it's it, it, I hate that it, you know sometimes it does get all about the money and the recognition and all those other things. So tell me, I I started my wife and I we did a bass an online bass fishing tournament and it was free anybody can enter. What I want to do and this is like letting the cat out of the bag doesn't really matter. If you ever fish in my tournament, the number one thing I guarantee you'd go home with is an event T-shirt. And that's yeah. that one thing is like you can get event T-shirts printed for you know five or six bucks, and you travel to South Carolina and you go to a lake you've never been to. I want a T-shirt that says I was there. Like it's yeah. a cool thing. Get a cool logo. That that way your sponsors can have some recognition. You put their names on the back. They get to be in print. It's a visual thing. And so it's like all these visual impressions and neat things. Just at least give people a six dollar T-shirt. But again, it's normally people that are putting on fishing tournaments have not been putting on events, and they don't see right. that value trade-off, that experience. And no discredit, again, there's a lot of people that do great jobs. There's things of like, what's the biggest fish during the hour? And that tries to encourage people to not hold their bag, but also has an opportunity to reward the person that catches a fish, maybe only a couple fish, and makes that experience throughout the day better. We just really need to sit down and just say, okay, what is 
what does the whole experience mean? Like you're saying, what, what do people want? What's the experience they're looking for? And what's going to keep them coming back? And that's the yeah. big key. I sometimes think the people that come back are the ones that do good. The yeah. person that catches a couple fish and has a bump and breaks his rudder drive cables and is out there trying to fight his way back in, that story is just lost on him and a couple buddies. And his experience is kind of so sour. They're probably not coming back the next time. So we, we got to figure out a way to make the, the whole thing a little bit richer for everybody. And when, when you think about it too, man, like the reason why those guys, like, like those people are able to make so much money, like the, the winners, like the pro, the pro runner, the pro triathletes is because of all the people who bought into it and showed up that day and paid the entry fees. Uh, they was able to grab the attention of sponsors because the sponsor like, oh, wow, there's, you know, whatever thousand people running this marathon, we want in. And so they, they start participating. And so I think that would be, you know, that would help this sport. Like if, if people want to be pros and they want to make more money, then there has to be more people who want to do these tournaments. And you and right now I feel like everyone who goes to these tournaments go there with the intention of thinking they can win, and which is fine. I'm not saying like I don't want to tell anyone, you know, be competitive, not competitive. Not everyone has to be like me. But if you want to make money, those top, you know, the top level guys want to make money, then they need a, they need hundreds or thousands of us scrubs to show up. Because <laughs> we, we just want to, we want, we want, we want the experience. We want the T-shirt that said, you know, I, I, I went fish a tournament at, uh, you know, the Sandy Cooper, and I think that would help a lot. Because wow, like, there's, there's a thousand people fish or whatever it's gonna be, you know, that, that, that was, that's gonna be what grabs the sponsors. I, I imagine. I don't know. You know more about that stuff than I do, but I'm saying like, when I think of a marathon, like, they make their money off the thousands of people who aren't gonna win, and the, the, the right. thousand people who, who, who know that. I mean, how many, how many people finish? You know, less than four hours. They show up. To, and there's no way that they're gonna win or whatever. But like that's the, they they pay the fee and there's hundreds of thousands of depending on the marathon that yeah. do that. I mean, a, a New York marathon. There's so many people that do it that there's there's a there's a there's a list and you got like no, you got those things sell out and you're talking like fifty thousand people show up yeah. and it ruins the city and they're cleaning up trash for months. But that's that's the reality of these. Knowing you got twenty people or thirty people or hundred people going out to kayak bass fish. How do you grow it sustainably? How do you manage it properly? And, and that's just that whole thing. It's the experience. I, again, I hate to go back to it. Somebody's got to tell us who's in charge. And somebody like you or me or somebody got to get together and say, hey, we're going to be the jurisdictional agency. We're going to run these things. Somebody, before they get to put on an event that's a certified or it's a, you know whatever, whatever you want to say, a race director or an event director should have to go some kind of classes. They should read through things. And I I get to have this event because I'm 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 actually following the standard practice and guidelines put together by this jurisdictional agency that right. manages appropriate tournaments. So, I mean, it's it's one of the things. I just want to have a good time. I mean, that's yeah. the reality is making money from fishing. You said it. It's got to be marketing. The top the top anglers, whether they're in a boat or a kayak, if they're making money, it's because they're personable. They're they're smart. They articulate. They share their secrets, and they honestly want more people to fish because they know more people fishing makes them happier and it helps make them more money. That's just the reality of the business. Yeah. They want to share what they're having. They're so passionate about it. You can't, you just like, you're, oh man, that guy, he's just telling me all those little secrets. I can't wait to go and try that. It's right. working for him. And that's what I try to do as a different angler. It's, I, I tell you, I get really bummed when you go and I'm the announcer and I'm like, hey, what'd you catch a fish on? And they're like, I'm not going to tell you. It's like, seriously, <laughs> you just caught all the fish. The tournament's over. Like who really honestly cares? Yeah. Like come up to the podium and share, this is exactly what I caught my fish on. For one thing, you did your job and you pre-fish and you know the lake really well. And you also got a little bit lucky. But teach somebody something that the next time they come out, because they're probably just going to fish with their friends and family, teach them what you caught it on. Tell them the tactics. Show them the bait. 
pass out the bait for heaven's sakes and let people go have fun the next time they're fishing with their kids. Right. Well, cool, man. That's a good place to leave it on that. Uh, before we uh, wrap this up, um, your wife fishes, right? And she's pretty competitive. I'm not mistaken either, right? If she, if she didn't decide to be like the world's greatest mom, she would be smashing people's like their egos would be all, it'd just be done. Yeah. So she's super competitive. And that, and I'll tell you, to fish against a lady that's 5'4", we've competed against each other in sports our whole lives. And I'll go out and surf huge waves, and I can hit a golf ball a, a pretty long way. 5'4", female, fishing against a guy that's 6'5", the fish have no idea who's throwing that worm. Yeah, so yeah. it levels the playing field, and that's so cool. We go out head-to-head and fish at the night, fun dates. She hates getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go fish tournament. She's like, just have the tournament in the afternoon. Fishing's going to be better anyway. But it's just one of those things. It's so cool to have a companion that will fish with me and can be competitive and fun. And it, it just keeps it light. And, and it's just such a good time. So I'm super stoked about that. I, I couldn't do it. My wife, she's like, she's real competitive. Like, she was like a, you know, a state champ high school basketball <laughs> player and has never left her. It's like, you know, like we've done workouts together. Like back when we did a CrossFit, and there was one workout where it was a, it was like a medicine ball, like a 25 pound ball. It was called wall balls. And so it was equal. It was like a 45 pound. And like, we went in it and she beat me, uh, she, she, whatever the moment beat me. And like, to this day, and this has been like five never years. Never let you never <laughs> let me, so it's just like, I couldn't imagine, like she keeps saying she wants to fish. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if you'd like to do, I mean, I tell her, I tell her, you know, and like, cause I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> she, yeah. You, I'll tell you, like my wife, we have the things like she beats me at Uno hands down. I don't play Uno that much because she yeah. always wins, but it's always those little things, but I tell you, fish, fishing with your best friend, whether it's your right. wife or whatever, and having that competitive nature, I say put a rod in your wife's hand. And you're you're gonna you're gonna take it a lot. You're gonna get. Oh you're man, gonna it's gonna, it's gonna, gonna hurt. She's gonna hurt me. No, it's, all right, all right, well, I appreciate you coming to the show. Is there anybody you want to thank or whatever that makes fishing easy for you before we wrap this up? Yeah, I mean, I got I have a bunch of sponsors I work with. Akuma, they're awesome. They they send gear. I have people that that take care of our family. Native Watercrafts, we get our boats from them. They're awesome. I'm starting some partnerships with some other people. Molex is a good brand that I love. I, I Can I share this? I had a guy the other day said he unfollowed me because now that I'm sponsored, I'm too commercialized. He also said, I'm unfollowing you because you share too much of your wife. And I'm like, oh, buddy, you don't get it. Like having your wife fish with you and getting products that work for me, I'm only sharing the things that work. And I tell people that all the time. So I, I, I got to thank X-Zone, all these different people that are making products that I – I had a, I have a real job. I don't have a real job anymore because you can't put on events. But my real job was doing events. I fished for fun. And I've weeded through the things that didn't work that good. I specifically work with brands that I enjoy. I Electric sunglasses is one I got to say thanks to. So the people I mentioned and I share online, I only mention the things that are good, true, successful pieces that I use when I fish. So, you know, hats off to them, the companies out there. I can't imagine being a large manufacturer and having all your products sitting in stores that are going bankrupt right now. So as a fishing community, let's all pull together, support some brands that are taking care of us. And, and man, we can get through this COVID thing. And then, hey, come fish with me. Northern California, you get out here, come into my house. Doors always open to people. It's a private lake. We'll call the guard gate. We'll get you in. And you're going to smash some bass out here. It's crazy. All right, Chris. Well, I appreciate you coming to the show, man. Uh, it was really fun talking to you. I uh, hope we can talk again soon. I hope everything opens up. And, uh, you know, once California gets up and running and start doing some more tournaments, uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about. But uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. No. No, I appreciate appreciate your work and, and keep sharing the good word, man. Kayak fishing, it's, it's a blast. And like I said, it's, it's for everybody. So let's get out there and do it together. All right, man. Take care.